My dear boys, I am dreadfully busy this year. It makes my hand more shaky than ever when I think of it, and not very rich. In fact, awful things have been happening, and some of the presents have got spoilt, and I haven't got the North Polar Bear to help me, and I have had to move house just before Christmas, so you can imagine what a state everything is in, and you will see why I have a new address and why I can only write one letter between you both. It all happened like this. One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole. I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down, and he did. The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house, and the North Polar Bear fell through the hole it made into the dining room with my hood over his nose, and all the snow fell off the roof into the house and melted and put out all the fires and ran down into the cellars where I was collecting this year's presents and the North Polar Bear's leg got broken. He is well again now, but I was so cross with him that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt and will be mended by next Christmas. I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole with beautiful cellars in the cliffs if John can't read my old shaky writing, 1,925 years old, he must get his father to. When is Michael going to learn to read and write his own letters to me? Lots of love to you both, and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. That's all. Goodbye. Father Christmas. I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. Wait for Christmas myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome back to the Inklings Variety Hour on Christmas 1920, 100 years ago exactly. J.R.R. Tolkien's son, John, received a letter written in shaky but otherwise suspiciously Tolkienian script claiming to be from Father Christmas. The letters continue to be written to whichever Tolkien children, Michael, Christopher, Priscilla, were young enough to appreciate them all the way through to 1943. Year after year, the Father Christmas letters sketched out ever more complex and comedic adventures at the North Pole, featuring Father Christmas trading insults with his friend and assistant North Polar Bear, wars with goblins, lavish descriptions of Boxing Day parties, many explosions, and even an elven secretary named Ilbereth. I'm Chris Pipkin, assistant professor at Emmanuel College in Georgia. And who are you, my legally inclined friend? Oh, I'm Annika Smith. So Megan will be joining me for the second half of the program, but our didn't quite work out for all three of us to meet at the same time this week. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're having a bit of a split episode, but to make up for that, um, with us today is my son, Davey Pipkin. How old are you, Davey? Davey! Seven. All right. Yes. Great. How are you doing, Annika? I am okay. Uh, just coming off a bunch of deadlines and anticipating a family visit and very much looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. How are you guys? 
Pretty good. What have we been up to today? Mm. Father Christmas letters. Reading Father Christmas letters, yeah. Who's Father Christmas? Um, he's, he's the latest version of Santa Claus. He's really the same thing, but they, but they said a different name. Mm-hmm. This is, both of our first time reading through these letters. Is it your first time, Annika? No, I, um, I think they got posted online like five or maybe even like seven or eight years ago like someone had like full text and pictures and it went to like something like boing boing or something um and then I got uh I had a version from the library and then I bought that was a full version but then I bought this 1970s very much abridged hardcover version um which is what I've been going on here so it doesn't have all the letters but I've read and sourced um, the full collection outside. It's just nice to have a, a book you can open up. And especially with the, um, with the illustrations, they're so gorgeous. And I mean that in the very um, love of the colorful and the, I don't know, the stylized, very Tolkienian <laughs> look of everything. Yeah. yeah. It's a gorgeous book. I'm, I'm really kind of sorry that mine was on Kindle. I'll ask Davey. Davey, what did you think of the Father Christmas letters? It was good. Yeah? What was your, what was your favorite part? Uh, who, who are your favorite um, characters in the Father Christmas letters? Well, one of mine was the North Polar Bear because he's yes. silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's the North Polar Bear? Can you explain that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Santa's helper, and he's a polar bear. He lives up in the North Pole. Does does is the North Polar bear very serious? He takes him, himself and his job very seriously, or is he something else? Um, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I am more shaky than usual this year. The North Polar Bear's fault. It was the biggest bang in the world and the most monstrous firework there ever has been. It turned the North Pole black and shook all the stars out of place, broke the moon into four, and the man in it fell into my back garden. He ate quite a lot of my Christmas chocolates before he said he felt better and climbed back to mend it and get the stars tidy. Then I found out that the reindeer had been broken loose. They were running all over the country, breaking reins and ropes and tossing presents up into the air. They were all packed up to start, you see. Yes, it only happened this morning. It was a sleigh load of chocolate things, which I always send to England early. I hope yours are not badly damaged. But isn't the North Polar Bear silly? And he isn't a bit sorry. Of course he did it. You remember I had to move last year because of him. The tap turning on the Aurora Borealis fireworks is still in the cellar of my old house. The North Polar Bear knew he must never, never touch it. I only let it off on special days like Christmas. He says he thought it was cut off since we moved. Anyway, he was nosing around the ruins this morning soon after breakfast he hides things to eat there, and turned on all the northern lights for two years in one go. 
You have never heard or seen anything like it. I have tried to draw a picture of it, but I am too shaky to do it properly. And you can't paint fizzing light, can you? Love from your father, Christmas, 1926. Davy, what do you see in the, do you guys see the 1926 illustration yeah, sure. of the Northern Lights? What does that look like to you? Um, a bit like a firework. Yeah, it looks like fireworks to me too. Fireworks and like crazy peacocks. It almost looks apocalyptic. I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, so with each of these letters, there's, you know, the letter itself is beautiful. The envelope mm -hmm. is beautiful. He stamps. Little, yeah. These little North pole stamps uh, to put Two on. Two kisses. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then he includes pictures and refers to those pictures throughout. The, the commentary, I don't know if you were able to see in the Kindle version, but the comments he included, Father Christmas includes on, like on the photos explaining them, mm -hmm. North Polar Bear, me, angry. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're great. They're great. Uh, yeah. It's just me busy, my old home. Um, it's like the best comic plus letter plus present you could ever get as a kid. And it's all what Tolkien did for his children. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. The, um, um, you know, the introduction to my version is um, is written by Christopher Tolkien's second wife, uh, Bailey, um, and it you know it basically just says to the children of J.R.R. Tolkien, the interest and importance of Father Christmas extended beyond his filling of their stockings on Christmas Eve, where he wrote a letter to them every year in which he described in words and pictures his house, his friends and the events hilarious or alarming at the North Pole. The first of the letters came in 1920 when John the eldest was three years old and for over 20 years through the childhoods of the three other children, Michael, Christopher, and Priscilla, they continued to arrive each Christmas. So this is a Tolkien family tradition that lasted pretty much, you know, the entirety of their childhoods, um, you know, and, and he continues to write to Priscilla for a while. Um, all right. Um, yeah, I, I really like how the letter that you picked, Annika, highlights um, the that, that the letters at the beginning are just kind of, you know, silly stories about what happens uh, between Father Christmas and the North Polar Bear. Uh, and then gradually, you know, he sort of grows the cast and, um, and he, um, you know, has crazy things happen with goblins and, and, and things like that. And there are a few places where it parallels things that happen in the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, um, which is fun. But at the beginning, it's just like Father Christmas and his comic relief, the North Polar Bear, um, which, is, uh, which is pretty great. Yeah. I like too that there are lots of jokes that are jokes to Tolkien, but probably not to his kids yet. Like mm -hmm. in the 1924 uh, or 1925 letter, he says he's 1924 years old. No, 27. Uh -huh. like, uh -huh. uh, which is, of course, like, we don't know exactly when Christmas was. Maybe it was 3 BC, maybe like, so 
he he jokes about not knowing how very old he is at different points, and I I got quite a kick out of that. Um, but he does always. It's interesting that he does tie it back um, to real feasts and real places and grounds. I mean, obviously, Father Christmas is grounded in our world, but it's um, this very just thinking about it in myth making. Um, it's bringing back so much to the the current and enchanting the the the, the present time and the present um, circumstances, uh, while also having lots of touches of reality. Like you mentioned how as the stories progress, they get more, um, more elaborate and there are more things happening like the goblin wars. Um, but I was struck how often, uh, especially in the late twenties and thirties, but even in 25, he says, well, I'm, I'm not very rich this year. And in 27, uh, there are more and more of you, uh, I mean, Tolkien children, uh, and I get poorer and poorer. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a really neat way to kind of trace parts of Tolkien's biography, right? Kind of, um, kind of noticing details like, you know, when he was living in Oxford, when he was living in Leeds. Yeah. Um, uh, later on, you know, his living through the Depression, because uh, Santa, or Father Christmas, sorry, um, talks about all of the, uh, you know, all the children who are, who are starving in Second World mm -hmm. War, um, when it gets that he talks about all the people who are displaced around the world and this horrible war and things like that mm -hmm. um, and that's actually the kind of the note that it ends on because priscilla becomes too old you know continuing to read these um you know during the during the second world war so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a um downer of an end because <laughs> uh, world war ii isn't over if we find Niggle is any sort of uh, prophecy, maybe uh, Tolkien is writing more Father Christmas letters now. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. So, so Davey, have you read anything or heard anything else by J.R.R. Tolkien? Um, let's see. I've read the first Hobbit yet. Now I read the first Hobbit. Did did anything in um did anything in the Father Christmas letters remind you of anything in The Hobbit? Made by J J J R R Tolkien. Okay, well, besides that, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll ask Miss Annika, and then if you think of something else, um, mm. you know, you can you can chime in. Um, did Did anything here remind you of anything in Tolkien's other works, Annika? Uh, the goblins were. Like and unlike, um, I was surprised that they were so small to Father Christmas. Uh, but also how in the Goblin Wars, the the way Father Christmas uh, describes, I think it's when um, when the North Polar Bear does his job of smashing all the goblins, like 1931 or so, maybe 32. Um, when he does such a very good job um, after getting stuck in the, the cave, Cave Bear's Cave. Oh, yes. And the, the sound the goblins made inside 
it's very onomatopoeic, like the bang, crash, um, all these big sort of words, which he used a lot in the goblin song stuff of The Hobbit. That felt really familiar um, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely like getting lost in goblin caves, right? Um, and and yeah. trapped after falling down, you know, while one thing that was different from Tolkien's goblins, I think, is that these goblins have writing, right? Um, like the, the North Polar Bear really liked the goblins writing in the cave. Um, they have their own special goblin script, um, which, uh, which he like, kind of writes out for them. So um, just goes to show you that even goblins can write. The Goblin War in 1453 comes up a lot. Uh, and that, that also felt like, like we're talking about the Battle of Greenfields and Sharp Reckoning 1147 again. Um, just that there's this consistent date and history and this sort of like everything being alluded to in the continuity of the story, which feel that feels very Tolkienian um, world crafting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting um, that, you know, he talks about, Oh, we thought we'd finished with the goblins, but then they were proliferating again. You know, and that's, this happens about the same time that like, the Germans are getting, getting aggressive again in, you know, in world in the thirties. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, which is, which is interesting. Like I wonder, obviously, you know, Tolkien doesn't allegorize blah, blah, blah. But, um, but, but it's, it's an interesting kind of, um, you know, parallel at least. All right. And here's a, so here's a letter featuring a goblin attack after the North Polar Bear had, uh, you know, hurt some of the goblins in their caves the next year. Um, so I'm going to read the part of Father Christmas. Davy, if you could read the part of the North Polar Bear. Cliff House, near the North Pole, December 21st, 1933. My dears, another Christmas, and I almost thought at one time in November that there would not be one this year. There would be the 25th of December, of course, but nothing from your old great-great-etc. grandfather at the North Pole. Goblins. The worst attack we have had for centuries. They've been fearfully wild and angry ever since we took all their stolen toys off them last year and dosed them with green smoke. You remember the Red Gnomes promised to clear all of them out. There was not one to be found in any hole or cave by New Year's Day. But I said they would crop up again in a century or so. They have not waited so long. They must have gathered their nasty friends from the mountains all over the world and been busy all the summer while we were at our sleepiest. This time we had very little warning. Soon after All Saints Day, Polar Bear got very restless. He now says he smelt nasty smells, but as usual, he did not say anything. He says he did not want to trouble me. He really is a nice old thing, and this time he absolutely saved Christmas. He took to sleeping in the kitchen with his nose towards the cellar door, opening on the main stairway down to my big stores. One night, just about Christopher's birthday, I woke up suddenly. There was squeaking and spluttering in the room, and a nasty smell in my own best green and purple room that I had just done up most beautifully. I caught sight of a wicked little face at the window. Then I really was upset, for my window is high above the cliff, and that meant there were bat-riding goblins about. 
which we haven't seen since the Goblin War in 1453 that I told you about. I was only just quite awake when a terrific din began far downstairs and the store cellars. It would take too long to describe, so I tried to paint a picture of what I saw when I got down, after treading on a goblin on the mat. There was more like 1,000 goblins than 50. But you could hardly expect me to draw 1,000. Polar Bear was squeezing, squashing, trampling, boxing, kicking goblins sky high and roaring like a zoo. And the goblins were yelling like engine whistles. He was splendid. Say no more, I enjoyed a month Say no more, I enjoyed it immensely. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a long story. The trouble lasted for over a fortnight. And it began to look as if I should never be able to get my sleigh out this year. The goblins had set part of the stores on fire and captured several gnomes who sleep down there on guard before Polar Bear and some more gnomes came in and killed 100 before I arrived. Even when we had put the fire out and cleared the cellars and house, I can't think what they were doing in my room unless they were trying to set fire to my bed, the trouble went on. The ground was black with goblins under the moon when we looked out. They had broken up my stables and gone off with the reindeer. I had to blow my golden trumpet which I have not done for many years, to summon all my friends. There were several battles. Every night they used to attack and set fire in the stores before we got the upper hand. And I'm afraid quite a lot of my dear elves got hurt. Fortunately, we have, we have not lost much except my best string, gold and silver, and packing papers and holly boxes. I'm very short of these, and I've been very short of messengers. Lots of my people are still away. I hope they will come back safe, chasing the goblins out of my land those that are left alive. They have rescued all my reindeer. We are quite happy and settled again now, and I feel much safer. It really will be centuries before we get another goblin trouble. Thanks to Polar Bear and the gnomes, there can't be very many left at all. And Father, I wish I could draw or had time to try. You have no idea what the old man can do. Providing lightning and fire, uh, works and thunder of guns. All right, all right. We'll wow. stop there for now. Um, what do you think about that? Does that, does that, um, David, do these Father Christmas letters make you think differently about Santa Claus? Yeah, a lot different. What, what, what were some things about the Father Christmas letters that you didn't expect to, for Santa Claus to, to be like? Well, I didn't expect him to have a polar bear helper. Yeah, I know. Usually, usually he's got what kind of helpers? Elves. Of course, he does have elves in that, but he, but of course, he, well, he does have elves in it, but he has a polar bear, which is. Yeah, yeah, it seems, it seems to be um, the polar bear who does most of the helping, right? And he's not a very good helper, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else in that letter that you noticed or that if Miss Annika wants to chime in, she could mention something too? I just take issue with you saying polar bear is not always not very helpful when you just read about his great victory over the goblins and even Father Christmas said he was splendid. What do you think of that, David? Hmm? Do you think she's right to disagree with you? Hmm? you said- well, I thought I was disagreeing with you. I was not very helpful. You were the one. Oh, it was me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with Davy. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess you all are right. 
Um, <laughs> well, there is very helpful after all. Some actually, actually, maybe in the middle. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, sometimes he turns on the Rory Borealis tap and he's not supposed to and what you get it was one of the it was in one of the early letters it made the aurora borealis fireworks go off so they didn't have any for the next two years oh yeah i appreciate the detail of polar bear thought it would be okay he thought the tap would be turned off because they had moved uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 do, I mean i i really sort of enjoy the way in which you know, at the beginning, it's basically like the polar bear getting in the way of Santa Claus or getting in the way of Father Christmas um, and getting lost and things like that. And then at a certain point, they kind of, you know, they kind of have a uh, deep respect and friendship for each other, you know, especially in light of the attacks by goblins. And Well, and polar bear eventually thinks of some good administrative changes at the North Pole and has the the new number system so it saves time on writing with the the gnomes and the elves uh, and the lists right that actually surprised me because i thought north polar bear just sort of did kind of bumble about and get in the way but he had ideas i i think i was surprised by how much father christmas likes to party um, a lot of the Boxing Day parties and the St. Stephen's Day party that he throws for all the polar cubs, and he invites everybody to come um, at the North Pole. And I, I appreciate the little community that's there, and that's not the sort of typical what you picture with the North Pole of all these little hard workers, but it's kind of a ragtag group of a lot of juvenile, clumsy um, but well-intentioned uh, individuals. Hey, sweetie, come here. Come here. Look who this. Hi. Who's that? Hi, Virginia. Oh my goodness, your hair is getting so long. Wow, you have so much more of it. Yeah. Who is that? Who is that? Who's talking to you? Annika. Mm-hmm. Who's Who's Miss Annika? Why is she special to you? Because she's my fairy godmother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Godmother. Yeah. Um, I wasn't telling. I didn't tell Miss Annika yet, but um, you are getting really good at making up Christmas songs. Do you think you can? And and you seem to always end the Christmas songs you make up with the word candy cane. Uh, you think you can sing a Christmas song to Miss Annika? Okay. All right. Um. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way. Someone's right, my little someone's right. Hey! Can you say, can you make up a Christmas song? That's very beautiful, but can you make up a Christmas song? Mm-hmm. Okay. Christmas Day is on, you'll let the single along. Christmas Day is gonna come to children today. Christmas, 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 candy gang. I like it. Well done, Virginia. Thank you for sharing. Hey, tell me, what? How do we? How do we celebrate Christmas? And then we're going to hear from Miss Annika either how she celebrates Christmas now or how she celebrated Christmas growing up. 
You get Christmas lights and get a leaf and a Christmas tree to decorate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all pretty standard things, huh? Is there anything weird that we do for Christmas? I know. What? We set turkey things. We set turkey things? Yeah, turkeys are for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, well, let's ask, can you ask Miss Annika what, what she did when she was a little, little girl for Christmas or else what she does now? Um, what did you, what did you show by when you were a girl? When I was a little girl at Christmas, I would go to my grandmother's for Christmas Eve and our whole family would get there and we would help grandma make the apple cider and we would put stickers on the cups so that everyone would have a different sticker on their cup so they wouldn't get mixed up. And we would sing Christmas carols with the whole family while my mama played the piano. And that, that was like the very beginning with Christmas Eve. And then usually we would have to take medicine to make us go to sleep because we'd be so excited. Hmm. And we would get up at the very earliest moment we could Christmas morning and go look at our stockings. Do you do any of that on Christmas? Yeah, I, I would be so excited at Montine. And even more excited at because at Montine, my going to make a gingerbread that houses my out real candy. Whoa, real candy gingerbread. That sounds so cool. Christmas. Yeah, did, did we read this a little bit today? Yeah. Yeah, what was, what was it about? Goblins. What was it? Goblins. Goblins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to the goblins? Uh, they were killed. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Killed them. <laughs> um, Santa and Polar Bear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Virginia. Cool. You did a great job listening. Who's gonna pick somebody to be in the show? Who's gonna pick somebody to be in the show? Yeah. What show? You know. I don't know which show. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for being on our show. Yes. It's a show that Miss Annika and I do. Can you go and get Davy again? Because I want to ask him about Christmas, too. Okay. Thank you, Virginia. Okay. Um, one, one thing that I liked that, that was interesting was uh, the polar bears as being goblin fighters, uh, because that's so similar to Bjorn. You know. Um, oh, nice! I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Like bears and goblins are natural enemies. Yeah. 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 In caves, right? Um, yeah. I also loved how much Norway and Lapland played in. No, no Sweden at all. Father Christmas does not like source anything from Sweden, but he gets his Christmas tree from Norway. He gets his the best uh, reindeer from Lapland. Yeah. What's your what's your favorite part about Christmas? I don't know what my favorite part is, but I but I think I can I think I can tell you what a few things I like about Christmas. What are they? Well, I like doing it. I like doing twelve days of Christmas. Wow! What what do you mean by that? Yes, days of Christmas. I thought there was just one. <laughs> Did I confuse you? Well, playing. Playing the doofus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
What's what's good about doing 12 days of Christmas instead of just one? Well, the reason I like it is because there are more days of it. Yeah. That is a very good reason. Yeah, that's a that's a good reason. Do you think do you think Father Christmas comes 12 times? Hmm. In the 12 days? I don't know. It'd be pretty hard to. Yeah, it would. Pack a bunch of boxes and make them ready every day. I know, I know. Maybe he just comes the one night. Oh, Chris, do you know when St. Stephen's Day is? Yeah, it is Boxing Day. It's the same. Okay, on the Feast of Stephen. Okay. Second day of Christmas. Um, yeah. Which is, that's the reason that Santa, that Father Christmas has the big, uh, has the big party that day because he's yeah. Flying all over the world the night before Christmas, right? So he's probably exhausted on Thursday of Christmas. So on Boxing Day, which is Saint Stephen's Day, is when he has the big uh, the big party with with everybody at the North Pole. Yeah, but the, but but you said that it's boxing is like when you put up put it in a box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's not like boxing, like polar bear punching goblins or like <laughs> doing this wrapping my ears yeah. putting both my hands around my ears so hey tell me did, did you like this book was it mm-hmm. pretty good um what book are you reading right now that you that you um yeah do, is there well, is there another book you're reading right now um, or a book that you've been reading recently well there are some books I have been reading, but I finished. Mm-hmm. What did, what book did you finish yesterday? Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Did you oh. Did you read that with me, or did you read it by yourself? Oh, you're quite right. You're quite right. Uh, we're talking about Father Christmas letters, not Wind in the Willows. <laughs> what did you like to say about Father Christmas letters? Well, it's pretty interesting because I wouldn't think that like that's not the way most people think about Santa Claus or in their case Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, later on I was reading later on in the book and when the goblins attack um, the penguins swim up from the South Pole and help Father Christmas and the polar bear and the gnomes and elves. That must be a long swim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Picture of the polar bear with some penguins. I do have a question. Um, Father Christmas, early on, he talks about his green brother, and he talks about his father, Grandfather Yule, Mm -hmm. and that he and and Grandfather Yule are both named after St. Nick. Is that right? And I'm trying to figure out the identity of Grandfather Yule if Father Christmas goes back to the very first Christmas and is as old as our calendar, um, how is his father, who is his father, that he is associated with Christmas and is older? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure what, who his green brother is, and that, that puzzled me every time, too. Uh, yeah. Um, Maybe it's St. Patrick, Davy says. Oh, I like that. Could Maybe be. it's Irish. <laughs> Possible. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, well, my dears, there's lots more I should like to say about my green brother and my father, old grandfather Yule, and why we are we're both called Nicholas after the saint, whose day is December 6th. And I'm not sure if that's his green brother who's called Nicholas or if grandfather mm-hmm. is called Nicholas. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like like you're saying, it, it's it's weird that he would be named after a saint that came after Jesus when he's as old as Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some, you know, discrepancies there, but I'm sure <laughs> bring this into a whole book, he would try to figure out how to square that circle because he likes to do things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, um, Grandfather Yule, I assume, is just kind of like the pagan celebration of the solstice. You know, like yeah, New Year and yeah, countries especially. Um, um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know who the Green Brother is. Maybe it's uh, you know. Some, yeah. So an online wiki um, found a quote from some biographer who suggests that uh, the Green Brother is just to kind of explain why. Father Christmas is often wearing green in Victorian pictures and to say like, that's his brother. <laughs> there you go. The, I didn't realize show. that they dressed him up in green in some of the Victorian pictures. Yeah. That, that makes plenty of sense. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Any, they didn't dress him up in green. Yeah, that's true. He does sometimes in these letters wear green pants as well. Don't, doesn't he? Oh yeah. You can all Mm-hmm. And the goblins hate the color green, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Which is funny because for medievals, green was actually the devil's color. Um, I mean, green meant a lot of things, but that was like the color associated most often with the devil. And ordinary time? Wow. But then he has the green and purple room mm-hmm. that he just got redone, which I love. And that's when the goblins, he hears them riding the bats outside. And he thinks they might have been getting ready to set fire to his bed. But I love that. That's a very rich picture of the green and purple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I really, I mean, he's so, Tolkien is so talented as an illustrator. His, his figures are occasionally a little awkward, like his human figures. But, um, but the style is so lovely. No, it just, um, this makes me want to write letters I think a Christmas letter whether or not it's from Father Christmas can be the best gift um and it makes me want to have adventures maybe not quite as disastrous as polar bears and maybe not involving goblins but probably involving St. Stephen's Day parties so absolutely absolutely yeah I mean I think on that note um uh, one of the things that I was thinking about a little bit is that it's 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 really normal to write Christmas lists, right? Um, and and kids will write lists mm-hmm. of they want for Christmas and like maybe Santa if they believe in Santa. Um, one of the things that I was kind of reflecting on um, uh, with relation to these letters um, is that um, I don't know that children really write letters to Santa anymore. Heck, I don't think children write letters to anyone anymore. Um, 
Um, I think there's still an office from USPS that, that does get letters to Santa, but it's much less than it used to be. I wonder how many of them are lists and how many of them are like, oh. you know, letters, like telling him how they're doing and things like that. You and know? asking, like, we heard you were really shaky last year and got scared from the goblins. How are you doing this year? <laughs> but I think, you know, we don't, we don't really do Santa um, in, in our, in our house. Um, it would probably be a pretty healthy practice if people who did do Santa like would write letters to him um, and, and it could check um, like just kind of materialistic, acquisitive greed. Um, yeah. Lists don't because Tolkien sort of understands that um, gifts involve us in relationship and stories. Um, and he's training mm. to think this way as well, that you that you receive gifts from people that you, that are in your life, that it's a, that it's a token of a relationship. Um, and so mm-hmm. constructing an imaginary relationship between these people and between his, his children, you know, and Father Christmas. Um, and it's probably, um, it probably gives the gift so much more meaning, you know, um, than, uh, than than it otherwise would, and certainly seem to give Christmas. Yeah, well, and it, it's it's fascinating to me because Tolkien has so much, but that Father Christmas is therefore not omnipotent, and he can't like Father Christmas writing about why so often, like why you might have fewer gifts this year, or why you didn't get everything on your list. Oh, like I didn't get it in time. <laughs> yeah. Like you. Um, or, you know, you didn't tell me what exactly you wanted, but Polar Bear made sure you got paints or, I mean, just, it's another interesting aspect of that sort of relational picture is that it's not a, a genie in a bottle or a vending machine either. It's the same way it is with your, your parents who do what they can, but you also learn to appreciate whatever it is you get, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and to, I mean, surely those letters were as exciting to them as, you know, as, as anything that they could have gotten, right? I mean, with probably some exceptions, but, um, you know, that, that's, it's such a, uh, and I'm sure they must have realized that it was their dad before he stopped, you know, writing. Yeah. And, but it's still... It's, also, it's such a great tradition to, you know, to start with, with your family. One last thing I noticed is that he seems to use, uh, seem to use the term, the, the length of time, uh, the fortnight, like <laughs> anything is any duration. It seems to be a fortnight. Yours ever and annually. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great too. There's so much personality and even like the the poem in 1938, just wonderful in that very marvelous sense of the word. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay. So yeah, 1938. Um, I also like that he has an Elberith in there. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, Isn't that so confusing though? Yeah. I guess it's just a common elf name like John, you know? Uh, yeah. But you, don't you just want to start singing uh, Elberith Gilthonium? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in Middle Earth is a woman, right? Yes. It's another name for isn't it another name for Varda? Um Elbereth with an E, and that's the lady that the elves sing to and hold most dear. 
And when Sam is uh, in She Lobs Lair and he finds himself suddenly singing uh, Elbereth Kilthoniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this I, is Elbereth with an I. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I just think of the Tolkien uh, Elbereth um, thing. Um, all right, so here he is. Elbereth Kilthonian, Silebrin Tanaviria, Lo Menelagla Elena. So there's there's his Elberth poem. Um, it's so fast and lilting. Like I I usually hear like um, uh, Corey Olson doing it in the much more yeah. <laughs> American standard. <laughs> but Tolkien, um, it's almost like chanting. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds it sounds a little bit like Glossolalia. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, uh, and then a Merry Twelfth Tide to you. Twelfthtide.com. One two tide.com. Great, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, my goodness, Davey. Look who's at the virtual door. Oh. Here at our Christmas party that we're having. Mm-hmm. It's Miss Megan. Why don't you open the door? Oh, good job. Well. Well, hello. Hi. How, how nice of you to drop in for Christmas. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So, so how have you been doing? I have been doing pretty well, uh, you know. Uh, I want to hear about um, either a memorable gift you've gotten for Christmas or some other Christmas memory. Really, I just always go back to uh, as a kid. Typically, we would Christmas Eve would be spent at my parents' church and at their Christmas Eve service, which was um, almost a lessons and carol service in the Anglican tradition with scripture readings and carols, but. Um, that rather than start in Genesis, they just started right at, you know, right in Luke 2. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I know we would go there and then come home, eat spaghetti and meatballs for dinner, and uh, then go through all of that. We had an advent calendar that we would go through, all 24 entries, um, little readings. It was very cute. And um, then we would watch our, back when, you know, when, when you had VHS tapes of shows that you taped, uh, we had all the Christmas specials on there, like the standards, like the Grinch and Charlie Brown and Frosty the Snowman. And so we would watch that for a while and then we would go to bed because Santa was coming. And then I would not go to sleep all night because <laughs> I was too excited to go to sleep. So, yeah. Those yeah, are, I definitely yeah. know about the Christmas. Um, and actually, growing up, we didn't really do Santa. We didn't, mm. you know, uh, believe in Santa. Um, but I still could not sleep mm-hmm. um, Christmas night. And, and it got to the point where, like, I would dread Christmas. <laughs> oh, really? I was, 
<laughs> so excited. Mm. But I also knew that that meant that I would have a horrible night, um, mm -hmm. like just waiting and waiting for morning to get here and <laughs> yep. trying and trying <laughs> to sleep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, I actually really um, was relieved when I got old enough to not be as excited about Christmas because mm. then I would actually like not stay up all night <laughs> yeah no we we did santa um i think up in, i think i got told i had the the santa talk when i was i don't know i think in fourth grade fourth or fifth grade somewhere around in there um but i have a younger brother and so he still believed in santa and so i was at that point it was fun because i was in on it and it actually almost became more fun than because it was kind of it was just like a game we were playing uh you know, just like this fun, magical game we were playing. So I was not traumatized at all as a child when I found out that Santa, you know, was not a thing. So, That's yeah. good. That's good. Well, yeah. actually, Santa was real, but it was known as Santa. Uh, who? Can you tell me? Yeah. Is it? What's uh what's father in the in the letters from Father Christmas? What's Father Christmas's first name? Do you remember? Jay. Jay, Father Jay Christmas. <laughs> no. But I thought it was J R R Tolkien. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the author's name, right? But he's writing letters from who? Nicholas? Nicholas? Yeah. 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 Well, Father, well, Father Nicholas Christmas, right? And he actually says in the letters, he doesn't say that he is St. Nicholas in the letters. He's saying, he, he says that he was named after St. Mm. Nicholas. So Tolkien's actually, for his kids, making a distinction between the St. Nicholas and Father Nicholas Christmas, uh, because he, I guess he doesn't want his kids to be confused Catholics. You're right. <laughs> Sorry. No, I actually, while, like, while I was reading these, I, I kept thinking to myself, this is a healthy way to do Santa with your kids. <laughs> like, because, I mean, not saying that all parents have to rush out and write letters to <laughs> letters from Santa every year. And I think Annika might have mentioned this in part one. But the fact that uh, in the letters, Father Christmas is very much not omnipotent or omniscient or, you know, on like, like some kind of God. You know, he's very much just like, oh, we're struggling today. You know, we're having trouble getting stuff in. I, I can't get my messengers to come and tell me things and all that stuff. And uh, and so I think I think it's it's a good way to kind of do Santa with your kids. If you make it clear that, you know, hey, he's not he's not like on the same level as God. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I, I think. Really, this is the ideal way to hand if you're gonna if you're gonna do Santa with your kids. This is the ideal way to do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like that about these. That he's, um, it's you know the the comedy of it. Yes, relies so much on uh, you know Father Christmas being a little bit incompetent <laughs> yeah. and also being tripped up by the polar bear, who's yes. mostly also pretty incompetent and they're just sort of bumbling around up there on the north pole right. they've got they've got a thing that they've been doing for a long time they're going to keep doing it and um and, and it keeps uh, uh and that thing is well what is that thing what what does what does father christmas do every year 
go around the world and give all the children a power presence. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that too. Um, one of the things I was interested in asking um, is just, um, you know, obviously Father Christmas shows up in another important Inklings related book, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. are, are, are there any similarities between this Father Christmas and the Father Christmas in Narnia? Um, and if so, what are they? Um, what are some of the important differences? Well, I mean, similarities would be pretty pretty surface stuff like he shows up to he delivers presents he rides in a sleigh um he's jolly uh or jovial as lewis would probably say and uh but uh, honestly they're, they're pretty starkly contrasted the father christmas in narnia is much more of, of i mean he's jovial but he's also much more of a serious much more competent figure and definitely more reminiscent of like an actual more of like a serious pagan symbol rather than just like here's a cute uh (laughs) little depiction of a guy who makes toys and delivers them to children and he has a polar bear sidekick i wish father christmas in narnia had a polar bear sidekick (laughs) yes I don't know if I was kind of wondering if maybe some of these had ever been read to the Inklings at any point. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we know that or not, but uh, I'm inclined it, to doubt it. It's yeah. A very personal thing. Uh, yeah. For, for Tolkien to do like just for his kids. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, I, I ultimately I came down on that side that this is very much a uh, personal and he wouldn't have read them to the Inklings. So probably no, influence one way or the other on lewis's depiction of father christmas but um yeah the other thing i was thinking while reading these was i and this is kind of my issue with letter collections in general is (laughs) that you only get to see one side of the correspondence and uh i really wish we could see some of the kids letters that he keeps referencing like hey i got all of your letters I, i love christopher's letters and like all that stuff um but we never see them and, you know, who knows if they're still in existence, if someone has them somewhere or not. But I, I don't know. I doubt they would ever get published. But, you know, I think it would be cute to see <laughs> Tolkien's children's letters, um, you know. And, and this collection, it wasn't as, as jarring as some others that I've read, where you, you, read, you read a letter and you're like, I don't know what they're referencing this person has talked about in their other letter. But so it was a little more smooth in this collection. But there were a couple of times where he referenced some things about, you know, I think they might have written him about his, about their father. <laughs> and uh, so I just, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen that, but. Oh yeah. There's the one, uh, there's the one where he's, where he's talking about his father's lecture, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Oxford is such a crazy, you know. That they lecture about that? It seems like a boring <laughs> mixed up place. I doubt any of his students pay attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty great. Yeah, no, but, but again, I just, he's a lot, he's, he's so charming in these letters (laughs) and they're just a bunch of fun and uh, the, the illustrations are, are gorgeous. Again, questioning why Tolkien has a vehement hatred of illustrations (laughs) and not fairy stories uh, because he's so good at it. He was sometimes curmudgeonly fellow, but. 
Yeah. In this case, not because he was he's yeah. super cute in these. <laughs> yeah, these are these are so charming uh, yeah. and, and just fun. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like and I, I could be wrong, but I kind of feel like these are in a way practice for writing the Hobbit, you know, um, yeah, yeah. with other children's stories. Um, his his first audience seems very much um, for for this and also for the Hobbit um, mm-hmm. to be his own children. Um, yes. Which is, uh, which is, which is really cool. Um, oh yeah. And you can, I mean, you can see that like the Hobbit all over these, these letters, yes. um, just his, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously he references goblins and they factor in pretty prominently towards the end. I think, what is it? The, the great goblin war of 1453 or whatever it was. <laughs> and then of course the, polar bear fights him off in very heroic fashion the illustration for that was nice too but yeah so you can you can see the hobbit all over all yeah, of these letters i mean you can even see lord of the rings right but yeah he's talking about this other you know when at the same time that world war ii is in full mm. swing right mm-hmm. um yeah there's this there's this uh battle with the goblins um where you know there are there are millions and they're surrounded and they're cliffside mm-hmm. tower you know and mm-hmm. he's like I have not time to tell you all the story. I had to blow three blasts on the great horned windbeam. Mm, yes. Things over the fireplace in the hall. I have not told you about it before because it, because I have not had to blow it for over 400 years. Its sound carries as far as the north wind blows. All the same, it was three whole days before help came. Snowboys, polar bears, and hundreds and hundreds of elves. They came up behind the goblins, and polar bear, really awake this time, rushed out with a blazing branch of off the fire and each pole, he must have killed dozens of goblins. He says a million, right? So it's basically the Battle of Helm's Deep, right? Um, except with a polar bear, <laughs> a bunch of goblins, and uh, you know, a, a horn. You know, and this is what was that? Nineteen forty-one. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's. I think that's. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, um, I. I'm going to assume that this is before he was writing the Battle of Helm's Deep, even in like the draft, but I could be completely off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I really just don't want to impress our listeners with my great um, depth of knowledge about Tolkien right now. So I'm <laughs> okay. going to refrain from even naming the thing. Cause I forget <laughs> the title. So I'm like, uh, that one, it starts out on the beach. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read the Silmarillion. I cannot claim that I followed like. Oh, I know the wanderings <laughs> of the different groups of elves. Yeah, and, uh, you know. So I apologize, all of you, you know, listeners who expected better from us. Please, you know, that's fine if you want to leave us one star review and just listen to Corey Elson because uh, <laughs> he, he knows everything about this stuff. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, please but don't again, leave us a one star review. Uh, please just to choose not to rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but. so Father Christmas. I really liked one of the standouts for me was the letter where he talks about how basically the man in the moon got drunk <laughs> and the yes. polar bear shoved him under the couch. <laughs> the man in the moon is always getting drunk in right? Tolkien's universe. <laughs> um, you've got the man in the moon came down till too soon um you've got which i forget if it's distinct from or the same as bilbo's 
song that he wrote about the man in the moon um, oh no i can't i can't remember but yeah he he really loves the idea of the man and moon coming down getting wasted Just and getting then real drunk to go back up there but <laughs> it, but this time and you know in this version there are consequences uh you know he says he could never be away for a whole night from the moon but he was this time mm-hmm. and he says suddenly the snowman he wasn't broken then rushed in out of the garden next day just after tea time and said the moon was going out the dragons had come out and were making an awful smoke and smother. We rolled him out and shook him, and he simply whizzed back, but it was ages before he got things quite cleared up. So, I love this, the next sentence. I believe he had to let loose one of his simply terrificalist freezing magics mm-hmm. before he could drive the dragons back into their holes. And that is why it just got so cold down here. I just love <laughs> terrificalist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's playful and fun and I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's another it's another mess that the uh the polar bear made. Yes. Uh, the other my other favorite moment was gosh, and it was I think it was later because it's when um it's after Ilbereth gets introduced as the secretary. Uh-huh. Um but it's it's when uh let me see if I can find it real quick. But the it's the one where the polar bear is very ahead of schedule and then he goes and takes a bath upstairs and ruins all the all the presents that were going to england oh here we go here we go um it's page 111 here okay um and yeah ilbereth is is writing um we all worked hard and you will be surprised to hear that every single parcel was packed and numbered by saturday december 19th then polar bear said i am tired out i'm going to have a hot bath and go to bed early well, you can guess what happened. Father Christmas was taking a last look around in the English delivery room about 10 o'clock when water poured through the ceiling and swamped everything. It was soon six inches deep on the floor. Polar Bear had simply got into the bath with both taps running and gone fast asleep with one hind paw on the overflow. He had been asleep two hours when we woke him. Father Christmas was really angry. But Polar Bear only said, I did have a jolly dream. I dreamt I was diving off a melting iceberg and chasing seals. He said later when he saw the damage, well, there is one thing. Those children at North Pole Road, Oxford, he always says that, may lose some of their presents, but they will have a letter worth hearing this year. They can see a joke, even if none of you can. That made Father Christmas angry, and Polar Bear said, well, draw a picture of it and ask them if it is funny or not. So Father Christmas has. But he has begun to think it funny, although very annoying himself, now we have cleared up the mess and got the English presents repacked again, just in time. We are all rather tired, so please excuse scrolly writing. Yours, Ilbereth, Secretary to Father Christmas. And there's this great illustration of... Yes. Um, and my kids loved this, too, when I was reading it to them and showed them, you know, the polar bear. Up it's amazing. The floor, and then Father Christmas freaking out because the whole room full of presents beneath is uh, is getting rained on. Yes. And elves running around with umbrellas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, and then, because there's a follow-up from the from the polar bear after that, and he ends it with, he says, love to you both because you see jokes, polar bear. I got into hot water, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. I had, to, I had to kind of explain that idiom to my kids when I was, oh, when I was yeah. reading it. Uh, they were mostly pretty bored, truth be told. Uh, oh. <laughs> with these letters. <laughs> 
Because it didn't, you know, the pictures, you kind of have to do a lot of reading of the, you mm, know, yeah. the letters before you get down to the pictures. Um, Davey kept up with it okay because he's seven. Um, yeah. Virginia just kind of lay there and was, <laughs> you know. Uh, what? But, but apparently she did absorb a thing or two. Um, well, that's good. So That's uh, good. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. No, they're just, they're just fun. Uh, it's definitely, I, I, I like I like that we're doing this because of the, I guess, light it shines on the more playful aspects of Tolkien. Uh, yeah. I think I think too often people can people have this perception of Tolkien that he's like, well, you know, he's he's very rigid in his mm-hmm. in his thinking. He has very strong opinions about fairy stories, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, but no, Tolkien can kick back and have fun sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a good corrective to sort of the not so fun Tolkien that we've sort of been imagining when we've, you know, been thinking about him, you know, hating the Narnia stories and things like that. When actually, you know, obviously his father Christmas is far sillier than Lewis's father Christmas. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a really kind of, you know, this is a comic strip Father Christmas, um, mm-hmm. whereas whereas Lewis's has some, like you were saying, it, it's like connection to this sort of pagan old man winter sort of um, yep. Father Yule thing, right? Uh, except with, uh, you know, under under the authority of Aslan. Um, yep. But um, very much so. Yeah. But yeah, he's 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 fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah, yeah, and I love the um, I just I just love the way that he illuminates the letters and and you know yes. the flourishes he draws and the marginalia he puts I, very much. I mean, it's it's really a work of art, right? Yeah, like yeah. I just it's it's crazy, and I I think you you also mentioned it in the first part about how they kind of the the earliest one aren't nearly as elaborate as the later letters it's yeah it's, he got more and more like this one that i'm looking at from i think the 1937 one i mean the the m of my the c of christopher and the p of priscilla are all just very i mean it's like it is like an illuminated medieval manuscript yeah yeah complete with like marginalia where the yeah. polar bear is writing on the yes. you know on the side <laughs> of father christmas's letter and uh-huh. uh, yeah you have all these different people kind of chiming in it's it's like a sort of a conversation um uh between these these different characters all sort of telling their versions of the story mm-hmm. um yeah i'm looking at the one from 1938 which is just um which is just beautiful um the uh um, oh yeah, the one yeah. with the uh, the one with the rhymes. Um, yes, and uh, and it's got you know all the decoration up with the um, uh, on the side the a sort of, sort of turns into this sort of Chris- Christmas tree like mm-hmm. thing with swirls and candles. Candles, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, and then you've got you know red and ho- ink and, and black holly ink. and yep. and. Yep. Yeah, just I I love this one the poem too because because of all of the interjections from the polar bear yes. like bad rhymes <laughs> like yes this is weak you know? yeah 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 let's let's read a little bit of uh, go for it uh, I I'll be the polar bear again this year my dear Priscilla when you're asleep upon your pillow bad rhyme that's beaten you beside your bed old Father Christmas. 
The English language has no rhyme for to Father Christmas. That's why I'm not very good at making verses. But what I find a good deal worse is that girls' and boys' names won't rhyme either. And bother either won't rhyme neither. So please forgive me, dear Priscilla, if I pretend you rhyme with pillow. She won't. As I was saying, beside your bed, old Father Christmas, afraid that any creak or hiss must... How's that? Out. Wake you up, will in a twinkling, fill up your stocking, I have an inkling, that it belongs in fact to Potter. But never mind, at twelve or later, he will arrive in hopes once more that he has chosen from his store. I did it. The things you want. You're half past nine. And then this, I guess, I guess this is Ilvereth. That's, oh, I that's think that is Ilvereth. Oh, yeah. She is not a clock. But still, I hope you'll drop a line for some years yet and won't forget old Father Christmas and his pet, the North Polar Bear and Polar Cubs, as fat as little butter tubs and snowboys and elves. In fact, the whole of my household up near the pole. Upon my list made in December, your number is, if you remember, 56,785. It can't be wondered week that i am so busy when you think that you are nearly 10 and in that time my list has grown by quite 10,000 girls alone even when i've subtracted all the houses where i no longer call you all will wonder what's the news if all has gone well and if not who's to blame and whether polar bear has earned a mark good bad or fair for his behavior since last winter well first he trolled upon a splinter just rhyming nonsense. It was a nail. Rusty, too. And when on crutches in November, and then one cold day in December, he burnt his nose and singed his paws upon the kitchen grate, because, without the help of tongs, he tried to roast hot chestnuts. Wow! he cried. I never did. And used a pound of butter best to cure the burns. He would not rest. I was not given a chance. But on the 23rd, he went and climbed up on the roof. He meant to clear the snow away that choked his chimney up. Of course, he poked his legs right through the tiles and snow in tons fell on his bed below. He has broken saucers, cups and plates and eaten lots of chocolates. He's dropped large boxes on my toes and trodden tin soldiers flat in rows. You need not believe all this. You need. He's overwound engines and broken springs and mixed up different children's things. He's thumbed new books and burst balloons and scribbled lots of smudgy runes on my best paper and wiped his feet on scarves and hankies folded neat. And yet he has been on the whole a very kind and willing soul. He's fetched and carried, counted, packed, and for a week has never slacked. Here, here. I wish you wouldn't scribble on my nice rhyme. He's climbed the cellar stairs at least 5,000 times, the dear old beast. Paksu sends love and Valku Tucka. They are still with me and they don't look a year older, but they're just a bit more wise and have a pinch more wit. The goblins, you'll be glad to hear, have not been seen at all this year. Not near the pole, but I am told they're moving south and getting bold and coming back to many lands and making with their wicked hands new mines and caves. But do not fear, they'll hide away when I appear. I think, was, I think that was just fine. Um, yes, it was just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Ilbereth does his own rhyme, and the polar bear does his own rhyme, and um, calls uh, calls Ilbereth a thinuous thin elf, elf instead of a fatuous, fatuous elf. elf. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just lots of fun, you know, in the marginalia that's that's being had, which is yes, which is really just wonderful um, as someone mm-hmm. who loves interesting marginalia um 
and uh, you know whether it's medieval or whether it's in modern books, um, it's just it's it's fun to see conversations happen on the on the margins of papers, even made up conversations. Um, I wonder, do you think? I, I'm sure Tolkien wrote these, not intending to publish them during his lifetime, obviously. But do you think he would? <laughs> Do you think he would be upset by the fact that these got published since they he probably thought of them as more private letters for his children? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I don't know. Tolkien has published so very many things. Oh, I know. Since he died. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I feel like he and Christopher will have to sort this out in heaven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they already have. Yeah, yeah. God rest I, both their souls. I mean, it hasn't been, it hasn't been, uh, maybe they're still sorting it out, or maybe, maybe. he's like, I wrote a bunch more manuscripts right. up here in heaven, Christopher. Um, maybe maybe you, you could get to them. work on that, you know. <laughs> I feel worse about it. That doesn't mean I don't do it, but I feel worse about reading people's private correspondence mm. when it's, like, more personal, personal and yeah. intense. Um, right. You know, even if they're dead or whatever, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, this helps me understand some things about people's lives. And I, I get the like the inklings themselves for reading older authors' correspondence and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, um, but, but I still feel sometimes weird about, and this really wasn't intended for me. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. But with the Father Christmas letters, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's so much fun. Um, yeah. That I imagine that, you know, if it's, it's obviously production and I'm sure they showed it to their friends. Um, oh right? yeah. Um, I'm and, sure. and so if we just think of ourselves as like the friends of the friends of, there the, friends you go. of the friends of the friends <laughs> of, of uh, Tolkien's first audience. We're all friends here. Then it could, then it could work. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think it would be different if it, if it, if they contained a bunch of just like super personal details about, mm-hmm especially about the kids and there's, there, but there's really not, I mean, he'll reference, I think Priscilla's stuffed animals at one point or like their pets or, you know, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, so it's not, it's not as weird as it would be reading somebody's much more intensely personal correspondence. Right. Right. Which yeah. I do that too. Right. Oh, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, you know, with, with these guys, cause they, they were such to me, like, it's always so inspiring to me to read, um, you know, um, letters written by people who knew how to write a good letter um, mm-hmm. and who, um, I mean, and these are fake letters, obviously, but they're still, uh, they, they still reflect this widespread practice that, you know, that people just had um, yes. back, back then to be, to be able to write, good letters back and forth um i'm i'm always really inspired reading the letters of um i have the letters of lewis um i imagine i'd feel similar you know reading letters of of um tolkien and and Mm -hmm. uh and and williams i I haven't really delved deeply into those i i'm comfortable reading correspondence (laughs) if especially if they're dead you know like yeah Yeah. uh, and it's been published you know, with right. whoever's permission that they needed to get at, yeah. the, at the time, you know. Yeah. No, that's what, I mean, that's, that's why you read people's mail is yeah. <laughs> to find out more about them, yeah. you know? 
because yeah. uh, often they'll they're it they'll uncover a side of people that you wouldn't normally get through just okay here's here are these novels this person published here's this you know here are these essays that this person published like yeah i i enjoy that it it can get raw and uh you know just yeah. revealing and sometimes fun and sometimes disturbing ways but you right. know al- right. always always fun to to read Letters, especially as you say, by people who actually knew how to write a good letter, and you know, it, it's actually entertaining to read it in and of itself instead yeah. of just it being like, "Hey, can't wait to talk to you again." Bye. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder to what extent that's really. I mean, occasionally I'll read these letters, and they'll sort of inspire me, and I'll be like, "I'm going to carry out correspondence." Yes, I, I've then, done that too. <laughs> but then it's like, there's. Who wants to do that? Who Nobody has to time do to do that, you know. Uh, and, and we have it's texting like, now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. You know, it's something that like you want to try, but when it's no longer a yeah necessary thing, um, yeah, yeah, um, it, it, I, it just falls by the wayside. There have been a couple times where I've seriously thought, listen. I'll just, I'm just going to start writing pe- random people letters, like random people that I know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. people letters and just send them letters and yeah. see if they write back. But then I, I've never followed through because, yeah. you know, that cynic in me says, nobody, nobody writes letters to each other anymore. You right. send an email, if that, even, right. even email is but starting to get outdated. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I wonder, I wonder what sort of toll that's taken on us psychologically um, in terms of most of the self-expression that we now do is um, a sentence or two, mm-hmm. maybe a picture right. for everybody. It's, it's for the public. Right. Um, we don't, we don't usually write in diaries. We don't usually write letters to friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got to figure that, that probably, robs us of an interior life that mm-hmm. um that a lot of these people that did customarily write letters had mm-hmm. um not really because they're like intrinsically better people than <laughs> us but just just that like they to keep up a friendship you had to write letters mm-hmm. um and yeah uh, you couldn't you yeah. couldn't just go like something on their facebook page right every so often right. and say that's my relationship with that person yeah yeah. yeah. Well, and two, like not writing letters and just corresponding mainly through the internet takes away a level of um, physicality, really. Yeah. Um, that tangible that that tangible thing you can hold on to, like that says, "Hey, this person thought of me and sent me a letter, and I'm going to keep it," you know, for sentimental reasons or whatever. It's it's just it kind of goes against everything that we've been talking about throughout all of these Inklings podcasts about the importance of the the physical world, the material world. You know, we don't want to mm-hmm. stray too far into a sort of Gnosticism where we just say, you know what, right. we just kind of exist as like a almost a disembodied consciousness <laughs> now. Right. Like all of our human interactions aren't really human interactions anymore, but. Yeah. Not yeah. to get all not to get all up on a soapbox about that. Yeah. But I think I mean I think I think this comes back and, and again, like this is a this is a bit of a tangent because again, yeah. these were these were these are performance pieces, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean whether whether Tolkien read them aloud to his kids or whether he just let his kids read them, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But uh, but they're obviously meant to be read by um, by the kids and enjoyed and it's mm-hmm. not really a letter from father christmas right um right. but it does gesture toward 
the idea of the physical gift being coupled with the relationship being coupled with the story mm-hmm. uh, there's a a way in which you know these physical objects that are being given are not just oh yeah i really wanted that thing it will fill this hole in my life right you know yeah. but but this thing will also remind me of the person who gave it to me um, and I will remember details from their life, you know, as I'm using it. Um, and then it's, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, not only is this something I want, but this is something that, um, now has sentimental value to me. Yeah. The, it's not just way... something that somebody bought you and you played with for a couple years and you forgot about it, you know, yeah. <laughs> yep. it has lasting yeah. value well, and especially these obviously, cause they've been, now been published. So they will. <laughs> Yeah. basically last forever now and yeah i think i think i agree with you i think that we lose uh, an aspect of human connection when you don't participate i guess in that in that art anymore yeah yeah um yeah they were really conscientious about it too i mean it was it was rude not to mm-hmm. answer a letter you know? right um yeah um and and lewis like <laughs> So much of his time <laughs> was taken up by writing letters. Responding he, to letters. <laughs> he answered every single freaking letter he ever got, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is amazing. But he he viewed it very much as being like as important as anything else he was doing. I I mean it's not just th- these aren't just work literary works because they're also I mean you've got artwork in there. You've got, like you said, mm-hmm. there's thought put into the marginalia, uh, illuminating certain letters at the beginning of each of each letter. Um, so I don't know. I, I think in terms of memorability and creativity and just pure artistry, I would rank it, uh, yeah, uh, s- somewhere like right on, right around The Hobbit, maybe slightly under, since it's not, you know, obviously a complete polished narrative or anything mm-hmm. but yeah i'd put it around i mean this is this is probably not a terribly controversial um thing to say <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd put it ar- i'd put it around his children's poems um yeah you know um uh and but i think your your point about the illustrations sort of maybe putting it slightly over them um and Mm -hmm. and slightly slightly over the um because it isn't it isn't just like you're saying it's 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 not just a um literary feat um Mm -hmm. it's a um it's a feat of forgery right right of a of a of a manuscript written by father christmas um Mm -hmm. with with just beautiful illustrations and and you know the the letters themselves the envelopes the stamps you really can't Mm -hmm. reproduce this i'm glad that i was able to get the kindle edition so quickly right but Mm -hmm. um it kind of i'm I'm buying a physical copy once we once i we're done with this because (laughs) it's it's gorgeous like i i need to own an actual physical copy yeah yeah it's it's just it's just beautiful and the um it 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 draws attention to Tolkien's uh, um, sort of, you know, his medievalism um, and, um, and his, 
knowledge of manuscripts um, and, you know, the way they would be decorated, the things that you can do in a manuscript that you can't do just printing mm-hmm. a book, um, mm-hmm. you know, is it's, it's very, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just very clear. I would have loved, I would have loved to see um, Tolkien do the entire Hobbit this way, right? And be oh, like, yeah. hey, here's the red book, right? Yeah, of, right. <laughs> of West March and, and like have, you know, illustrations, more illustrations than he drew yeah. for them for it. And, and, you know, actual like manuscript pages. And I like, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that for some of his works. Right. Um, okay. uh, at least yeah. a little, cause he's enough of a nerd that he, that he <laughs> could. But, I mean, a lot of, a lot of his, a lot of his prose works are like originally written in verse. Right. Um, right. I mean, he, he loves the whole sort of, um, you know, jokey forgery game. Mm-hmm. Um, Davey, what do you think is the most important thing that we can take away from the Father Christmas letters? Do, do you think the Father Christmas letters prove once and for all that Santa Claus is real? Um, no. What, what's it going to take to convince you that Santa Claus is real? It's going to take to convince me that Santa <laughs> The only way it'll convince me is if, if it is if they're they're pigs that can fly. All right. Well, um, what do you think is the most important thing that you need to make sure of if you live at the North Pole? You need uh, some sweaters. You need some sweaters. Or whatever, something like a coat or something. Yeah, like a coat. Yeah, probably, probably. That's true. It gets cold up there, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think that's what happened to Santa Claus? Why he doesn't exist anymore? He just froze to death. Daddy. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, have a merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the Inklings Variety Hour. We look forward to seeing you in the new year um and uh uh yeah until next time read lots of books (laughs) that's our tagline (laughs) merry christmas davy merry christmas merry christmas to everyone yes all right We still remember, we who dwell in this far land beneath the trees, thy starlight on the western sea.
blessed encounter, full of joy, unscheduled on the Geeson fan, with here an addict of Tolkien, there a Charles Williams fan. Christmas Day is on, you'll let the single one. Christmas Day is gonna come to children. Christmas, 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 candy game.